everyone, this is JJ Outlaw. Hi, this is T Outlaw. And we are back with a new episode of the Gourmet Goober Podcast. You can always find me, JJ Outlaw, at Twitter, on Twitter, actually, at JJ Outlaw. <laughs> I'm on the gram, as the kitties say, at Gourmet Goober. And every episode, I'm joined by my hubby, that dude, the dark desperate. Oh, wait a minute. The pandemic you... ain't over. Are you sure? No. Keep that going. People acting like it's over now with the CDC guidance saying that as vaccinated people, we don't have to wear a mask. Is there a mask Lala on my po- face? Lollapalooza's back at full capacity. That's their problem. Your doc does brought dates are numbers, my friend. Yes, they are numbers, but <laughs> at the same time, it is still going on. So thus, I'm still carrying the name. Okay. Well, until then, the dark desperado. T Outlaw, aka Big Daddy, how's it going? It's just going well. That's me, <laughs> the Dark Desperado, T Outlaw, that dude. <laughs> you can find me, T Outlaw, at Twitter, on Twitter, at T Outlaw, just like you. And you can find me on Instagram at T Outlaw, Josie Wells. If you want to find us on Facebook, if you are so Insisted on looking us up while you're connecting with your mama and them. You uh-huh. go to the Gourmet Goober blog, because we started off as a blog back in 2013. Speaking of that blog, it still exists at thegourmetgoober.com. So you can check out everything from old recipes to media events like our time at, what was it, the pig festival that we went to? Hog fight? <laughs> yes, the hog fight. Exactly. You know, my interviews, time on TV, all that crazy good stuff. As well as you can see podcast episodes as well. You can drop us a line anytime at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. And yeah, that's rumor has it. I may be on the clubhouse. And if so, I'll be able to pass on maybe for those of you that are on clubhouse, you can join me. We've had some cool things planned for that. Um, Rumor has it. We may also have a page on TikTok that may be unconfirmed. Wait a minute, I missed that. <laughs> hey, I just got a whole, like, look, I got our social media all wrapped up. Hey, that's cool. <laughs> At the same time, I'm afraid of, you know, there'll be like TikTok videos of me like doing little fat kid dances. You know, it's mostly going to be our doggy producer, which, by the way, thank you some of you who saw him on Twitter. Um, This past week, it was, what, National Rescue Dog Day? And so Brax the Destroyer, as Plum Good called him, we decided to showcase he's the world's greatest dog podcast producer, executive producer. He works for Belly Rubs and Pepperoni. <laughs> he's really easy going. You have this look on your face. You're kind of mad at him right things. now. <laughs> yes. Goofball, meatball. You're mad at him right now because we had a delivery, which we'll talk about later in the podcast. For the podcast, by the way. And he decided to just say hi to the to the um, DoorDash person. Yeah, <laughs> Not to know. mention the kid who mowed our lawn. <laughs> yeah, the destroyer over here wanted to, like, I don't know, wanted to go out TSA on folks <laughs> and start investigating, like, doing, like, you know, full, you know, pat-downs. Um, oh, it could be worse. Like, earlier we went on a doggy road trip so I can get some coffee at Dunkin' Donuts. First of all, let me just say, our dog has the people at the Dunkin' Donuts wrapped around his finger. He does. 
Because now they offer him pup cups without me even asking. They're like, oh, we love your little bully. Here, here's a pup cup. And of course, he puts his face right. He's supposed to be secured to the back. He ignores that. I, I guess that's like a suggestion at this point. At this point, the dog could drive the car because he's like right there in the front seat. That would be scary. <laughs> and his head's like right next to my all drooly like, yeah. Yeah, I would like a pup cup. Oh, here you go. Can you at least put a top on it? And they look at me weird like, you're not going to give into him right now? No, no, because I want to go home and not have the entire car be filled with slobber and whipped cream. <laughs> no. That would be problematic. <laughs> the car detail people are going to love us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the people at Chevrolet also will love, love us. us. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Thank you for that reminder. <laughs> I don't want them to look at the car and go, the hell happened? If you just look up, they'd be like, damn, what did you do to your car? Bully. Mm. Yeah. American bully. <laughs> 70 pounds of pure puppy. It's like, who destroyed your car? Dog. Dog. Yeah. Not to be confused with, like, the last episode. What happened? Gator. Bobcat. Gator. Bobcat. <laughs> we got some responses to that, by the way. Really? Apparently, people are a little dismayed that our marriage would be over if there was some Bobcat. That's their problem. That's <laughs> our marriage. <laughs> Between that and you outing me for the true reason I went vegetarian in, in college. Oh, because you were broke. Well, yes, I was very broke. <laughs> hey, you've said that before. I'm like, <laughs> that's on you. Just don't, don't lie about it. Say, oh, yeah, I went vegetarian. I went like, you know, I decided to go Epicurious. You know, there were some honorable reasons why I did it back then. But yeah, mainly it's because meat was hella expensive, okay? Yeah, I'm like... I mean, not a lot as an intern for Mississippi Power, let me say. It's okay. And of course I bought a car, because of course I did. <laughs> so anyway, this is the segment that we normally talk about our week before moving into our topics for the show. So Big Daddy, how was your week since the last episode? I didn't do a damn thing. That's not true. I just sat here and just scratched <laughs> myself the entire two weeks. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen who's listening and everyone in between, that is not true. You got a lot done. No, I really didn't. I mean, yes, I, I went, I worked remotely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got work done, you know, for work. I did some stuff around the house. Yeah, but mainly I just chilled out, but no. Okay, so for this story to work, I have to tell truth. Truth to power. Uh, in the last two weeks, the Goober and I celebrated our 16th, that's right, 1-6 wedding anniversary. Woo! We're in the sweet 16 now. Yes. We're big. But no, um, so we have, here's, a, here's the... Quick background to our story. We met in 1993 on a date. It was not a date. It okay. was a foodie call. I think we established that. A foodie call. <laughs> My roommate was on the date with your roommate. We were not on a date. I was in it for the free ice cream. <laughs> we were each other's wing person. 
I was in it for the free ice cream. She was in it for the free ice cream. <laughs> I was in it because allegedly I was macking on her roommate. Well, that's what she thought. Yeah. That's what she thought. We're not going to. Okay. You know what? I could say what she told me, which in hindsight is hella problematic for a lot of reasons. I'm just going to say, Stephanie, if you're listening, thank you for bringing us together. Thank you. Yes. Because I am the smartest black man she ever came across that day. <laughs> that day. That day. Yes. Anyway. If you knew her, you would understand why we said that. Okay. <laughs> so, once again, we've known each other since 1993. Yes. Uh, we kind of became a couple for real in 1999. Which is funny because all of our friends, we were together for so long, everyone thought we were a couple and were surprised that we weren't dating. I couldn't date him technically because I was his RA. You couldn't date me because I wouldn't let you. Well, I wasn't interested in dating you. In fact, the person I did date turns out you hated him. Uh, there's no I hated. <laughs> there is I hate. Do not like have disdain for. Yeah, just wasn't feeling his. You know, I had issue with his premise or his presence. But I- him when I realized I was in love with you. Because that was the best thing you ever had. We did try to date when we were in college. It did not work out. Because <laughs> I was a Bulls fan. And I was a Pacers fan. So we went our separate ways. I moved on to grad school. I wound up dating someone else. And that's when he decided that he really loved me. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> So we've been together since 99. That's right. All I want to do is win, 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 no matter what. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, since 99, everything's been going up. Yes. <laughs> and it stayed up. But, yeah, we got married in 2005. And so for, sorry, to speed this along to get to our 16th, um, I, I went off the board. I know that there's supposed to be some kind of decorum with anniversary gifts, but I decided at first I was going to buy a, I don't know why I decided cooking utensils, but uh, we just randomly saw something like on the TV show, The Talk. And like Morning Save had, uh, I believe it was called like a stob, like cook baking dish, I want to say. Right. It was a stob roasting pan. Yeah, stob roasting pan. And I know you guys are listening at home like, oh my God, he got you something to cook with for your anniversary. Let me explain. For those who know me really well, know that one, I'm obsessed with cooking. I love cooking. And two, I love, I I love spending money on really good cookware. And so there's two cookware brands out of France. One is Le Creuset, which I've talked about before, La Creuset. La Creuset. And my obsessive love of La Creuset. But the other one, is Stop, which is this incredible cooking brand. They're known for their enamel products. They're really well made. So I have mentioned to Big Daddy before that I always wanted to have a piece of Stop cookingware. Um, can, that, can never remember this, but yeah, I just happened. She was like, one day she saw the Stop like on the talk, and she's like, oh, that's a really, I really like Stop. Like, I'm like, okay. So there came this idea, pop ah, I shall get it for her. And so I'm like, okay, I will order it. But what happened? I've been known to Big Daddy because, again, 
it's a gift. And I didn't know he was going to order the stop. I too saw the same episode of the talk. And I thought, oh my God, this is my chance to finally own a piece of stuff cookware. So they come in three different sizes, right? They have a small size roasting pan. They have a medium size roasting pan and a large roasting pan. And I wanted to go all out and get the large one. But I was like, you know, I didn't exactly tell Big Daddy I was going to buy this. It's in the budget and we can afford it, but still it's a little pricey. I'll just go ahead and get the medium one. He'll be fine with that. So unbeknownst to him, I order the same pan and a smaller size. So here comes the morning safe box. And I'm so excited. I'm dancing in the living room. I meet the person who delivered it. I hug the box. Meanwhile, he's like, what the hell are you doing hugging the box? And I'm like, well, then I have to come clean. Well, in the box, I bought a stop cooking pan. I, I saw it on the talk and I've always wanted one and it looks perfect. And I can make all these great roasts and I already have planned out what I'm going to make in it. You know, I was going to make a chicken cassoulet. And then you have this weird look and I'm like opening it up and hugging and caressing the box. And that's when you had to come clean. And I was like, dude, what's what's the big deal? I mean, I realized I didn't tell you first, but I thought you'd be cool with it. Yes. And that's when you confessed. That somehow, <laughs> some way that yes, with the morning save box, which I thought was the one that I delivered, or that I had delivered, was the one that she had. Hers came first. Let's just start with, like, with that. Yes. And so I, at that moment, had to come clean with, um, so you got this nice medium roast pan. <laughs> I got you the large roasting pan. <laughs> same color. Same place that it originated from. Same maker. That's hilarious. You got the exact same color. Because they yes. have different colors. <laughs> I just I just took what they gave me. <laughs> but, yes. So... But Goober now has two. two. stop pants. Exactly. Which I am more than delighted about. I've already planned out what I'm making it for. I'm so excited. But yeah, that, that was really thoughtful, but also really kind of funny. Yes, it was. So then you were worried that the gift that you got me would not arrive in time. Yeah, I was concerned about like morning saving, like their shipping time. And it's still the pandemic, y'all. So I was... I was concerned, so I had to kind of carry a backup gift. And I, we, we've done jury before, and we've done random things of clothes, so I've always been nervous about what to get the goober that she would like. So I decided to go a little weird. And we know that the goober is a fan of Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and, like, Marvel products. So, okay, so I randomly just got a T-shirt. Actually, he got two T-shirts. If you... Follow me on Instagram. You saw one. And one of the t-shirts, it's so awesome. It's from a phrase that's very famous now from the television show, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, where basically Sam Wilson, the new Captain America, breaks down the three main villains that most Avengers or most people in the cinematic universe find themselves fighting. It either comes down to Aliens, androids, or wizards. Correct. 
And so it's on his shirt. And I'm like, oh my God, this is the best ever. The other t-shirt, which I didn't take a picture in just yet, but I did get a picture I just haven't posted on the gram yet. It's a picture of Sam as the new Captain America. And keep in mind, when the Captain America Winter Soldier episode ended, Entertainment Weekly said, okay, now that you've seen the show, here's where you get the merch. And because I'm a nerd, I'm like, I want merch! So I went to the links they gave, and the t-shirts that he ordered was on back order. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll just go back and... (coughs) Oh, excuse me. I'll go back in August and see if I can get some. No, Big Daddy already had the t-shirts. Like a Mac. (laughs) No, I just got lucky. But yeah, so I was able to secure two t-shirts. Originally, I was going to get her like the Captain America like sweatshirt uniform-ish look. But um, one of the things about the new Captain America uniform is that like, you know, the top half has a lot of white. And the Goober's not the best at like white before Labor Day or after Labor Day. Ever. Yeah. I have the world's slobbiest dog. I mean, I can look at him and he could get something on the shirt. Sure. So yeah. Yeah, that that probably wouldn't have worked well. Yeah, no, so it we worked out perfect what you got. I did. I I lucked into certain things, but yeah, that's what I ended up like getting the Goober for our anniversary. Yeah, I know. I'm not going to win any, like, you know, romantic awards. No, 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 no. The Goober was very happy with her gift. (laughs) Yeah. So your gift actually was hilarious because, well, I ordered you something. And right before it was to be delivered, I got an email from the company that said it was going to be canceled. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I have to come up with something. And keep in mind, <clears throat> should I say what the gift was? Well, the original gift was a watch, correct? Right. Big Daddy, let, let me just back up. So, my father loves Big Daddy like his own son. And my father has taken to commemorating special things with giving you a watch. Yes. And my dad is like a big time collector of like expensive watches, like Invicta and all of that stuff that I know nothing about, but the watch is like so technical. You need a winder, digital winder to help it keep time. That's the kind of stuff my dad gets. So I too wanted to get something special and I tried to go along with what um, the traditional, I guess it's like silver for like 16th year or something or something tight with Peridot. And so I saw this like gorgeous Bolivar watch that kind of met both the design elements of what is her traditional gift. And I thought, you know what? That is his gift. You know, to commemorate all the time that we spent together. Um, And it'll be perfect for his collection and he'll look really suave when he wears it. And sadly it was canceled. (laughs) So I had to come up with something else. First, I had to deliver the bad news. And this is after this double stop incident because they both arrived before our anniversary. So I was like, oh, crap. I can't not give him something. I mean, 
dude, I have this beautiful piece of art that I get to cook with, the stop cookware. So then <laughs> I came up with an idea that, in my opinion, he would either think it's hilarious and next level genius or question my sanity. Or maybe a bit of both. A bit of both. <laughs> so you may have heard a com- you may be a call for regular listeners a conversation we had about a certain strip club. <laughs> yes, I said strip club in Atlanta that has a particular lure to basketball players in general, um, known for their cuisine. So I ordered from them. <laughs> and the special line that comes from in that NBA player. Yes. So I got him a gift, believe it or not, from Magic City. That's right. Magic City. The Notorious Strip Club. That was our anniversary present. Yeah, I got him. I went on Gold Billy. And what happened was, okay, I have this like love-hate relationship with Gold Billy because they know me. They like send emails like, you haven't ordered in a while. I know the last time that you were on this website you were looking at this cake that Oprah really liked. You have room in your freezer for the cake. You know you want it. Come on. Why don't we give you a discount? And I get all excited about the discount, and then I go and try to order something, and the discount can only be used for certain things. But I'm already ensnared and invested in whatever I have in the cart. So I usually break down and get it. (laughs) That's usually what happens with me. And does not share. Share, I share all the time. That last thing I ordered that was from um what was it, Johnny's Sanchez? I shared with you. And what was that? It was the tacos. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but so this time around I got ensnared and then I saw the little thing from Magic City, and I'm like, you know what? This would be the one thing you would never guess. So I told you that I got you something that would make you live like a baller for a day. Now I'm sitting here thinking it was like, you know, <laughs> from the big baller brand. Like, I was like, did she give me a T-shirt? Did she give me some Yeezys? No, Did she I give did me some big give baller brand sneakers? This would have been really crazy I don't and really stupid. I don't think even exists anymore. Didn't it go out of business? I don't know. Big baller is the brand that LaMelo Le- Ball and... Lonzo Ball. LeVar Ball. All the balls they created. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're out of business now. When he tried to make his own shoe. It was worth a try. But yeah, it, that would have been crazy. Like, crazy, not great. But but yeah, she decided to go off the board and she had something delivered via Gold Belly from Magic City in the ATL. And I was waiting for like, I was like, did she? I'm going to open that box. And did she send me some stripper heels? <laughs> that would have been good. Was I going to get a brass pole? <laughs> you should have seen the look on his face. He's like, ordered me stuff from a strip club for our anniversary. Yeah, the people of Are Facebook... Are you trying to tell me something? The people of Facebook were like, um, <laughs> you know your wife ordered something from a strip club, right? But, but let me say, you liked it. You I loved did. it. You shared it online. And it was the best thing I ate this week, which I will detail later. Yes. So see... 
There was a method to my madness. There was a method. There was a madness. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And plus, I got Mac points. I have to say, our friend Luis said goals when he, you shared it online. Because yeah. not too many wives would order stuff for a true club for their husband. So I knew that I had gone too far. <laughs> this is something that I had not shared with the gourmet goober. When there was something that my boss, of all people, oh my god, mentioned like a couple days ago, because there was something I was supposed to return. I have signed and returned to him, and he was like, "Oh yeah, like you know, can you get this sent today, or can you have this dropped off, and whatever?" And how many wings do you have left? And I'm sitting here like, <laughs> "Oh my god, your boss." Yeah, and I'm sitting here like, okay, this is definitely a reason for me to get my ass off of Facebook mm-hmm. right now. See, that's why I'm not on it. <laughs> yeah. So, oh my God. But is your boss impressed that I did it? You seem to be. See? I'm the world's best wife, y'all. <laughs> you, are the, you, are, you are definitely the world's best wife. <laughs> the guys were definitely impressed. I'm not sure about the ladies, but yeah, they were. The guys were definitely, you know, it, they have a little cheer section. Look, that's because the lady didn't have a chance to sample what we had. True, and like I said, we will detail that later. Stripper or no stripper, that that stuff was good. That was worth it. <laughs> Even though they should, they should have delivered it, you know, in a box with a glass heel or something. Oh, that would have been funny. That would have been funny, but yeah, there have been. I, I wonder what the price would have been if they would have stuck that in. <laughs> you know, we should like tag them um, during this podcast to let them know we talked about them. I, I just wonder what they have to say. You know what? Afterwards, I would love to talk to the person who came up with that. Although, my compliments to the gentleman that we'll talk about later. I have to say, what he came up with is insane, but next level good. I think he should stop playing in basketball and go into this. Well, you know, he's an ATL now, so thus, you know, he has time. <laughs> he has lots of time. Well, I guess, no, I take it back. He's actually in the playoffs right now, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, now that he's an ATL inspecting his product, well, we'll see. They should give him a cut of the profits, because when we describe what is the best thing we ate this week, y- y'all be impressed. Yeah. <laughs> Same way, Goober. How was your week? <laughs> well, um, outside of treating my husband to something from a strip club for our anniversary. <laughs> um, no, actually, I had a really good week. Um, I had my first review, if you could call it that, because it wasn't quite a year, but it was time for the inner review. Um, great conversation with my boss. It's, I, I Again, I'm always very careful to never share the name of the organization that my day job is connected with and things like that. But that said, it is refreshing to work for an organization that appreciates your work and appreciates you as an employee. So you don't work for McDonald's, right? No, I do not work for McDonald's, but I have to say it was a really great conversation and it, it's nice to be able to be able to say that you're seen and you're respected. And unfortunately, I've been in some work situations, one quite recently before taking on this new position, that I did not feel the same. So if if you learn nothing else from my week, 
um, being, if you were, let me just put it this way. If you are in a position where you could either A, demand more respect on your job, or you have the flexibility to move on to a job if you feel that you're not respected, if your work is not valued, if your voice is not heard, if you have the liberty to do so, which it just sort of fell in my lap, the situation that I'm in now, take it. I I know that for many women, for many creators of color, especially those in creative industries, it's really hard to deal with imposter syndrome. And I know that's something that I struggle with all the time, the feeling that you've advanced to a certain place. And I think we're sometimes gaslit as people of color, like you're only here because of X, Y, Z, instead of because you're, you're valued is because you're good at your job. And to hear someone literally tell you that it was just like, yeah, I'm that bitch. <laughs> I yeah. don't think that all the time. Yeah. That's exactly what you, <laughs> that's exactly have a sign put up. Cause I'm that bitch. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Liz. <laughs> you know, um, the other thing is the newsletter project, which I've been working on way too long. It's almost finished. So it's a nice feeling to almost be done with something that brought together so many different departments and so many rewrites and things like that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm at a point I can take some time off. And what's really cool is the organization that I work with, now they've recently changed it so you can have unlimited time off. And I've always been like, oh my gosh, to work with an organization that has that flexibility. And now I do. And now I'm like, okay, is it okay to ask for the time off? <laughs> and to be reassured by your boss, like, uh, yeah, we put it there because we want you to use it. And I think that all ties to the imposter syndrome that sometimes is beaten in to so many of us. So I'm looking forward to that and making plans um, <clears throat> for things to do. But yeah, it was a good week. And um, I'm glad that Big Daddy enjoyed his gift. I did. Let me also say, uh, unscripted, this is Mental Health Awareness Month. Oh, yeah. And always, if there's nothing else that you take from this podcast, whether it be food or pop culture, one of the things I and the Goober and other professionals would like to advocate, it is do something every day to take care of yourself. Right. Not just physically, but spiritually and mentally. And you know what? I'm really glad you say that because I think working through this pandemic, if you're blessed to be in a situation that you work from home, but even if you don't, we all have situations where there's people that we care for, things that we're responsible for, deadlines and other things that we have to meet. And it's just hard to take a moment to really evaluate where you are physically or or everything like that. Um, Actually, one of the other things I did last, this past week is I went to see my cardiologist, which I haven't seen in a long time. Um, And definitely since the health scare that I had, I think I shared it in an early episode of the podcast, you know, to be given a good bill of health, like 
it's really important for you to do that because your mental health affects so many aspects of your life. And in so many communities, dealing with positive mental health is not always talked about, but it should. And I'm really glad that you mentioned that because there's been such a focus on it this week with, you know, that new interview that Prince Harry did with Oprah Winfrey, but just in general, even if you take that out of the equation, making sure that you take care of you because you're important and you deserve to have the right to having a positive mental health along with other parts of your well-being. So thank you for sharing that. I like it during that. The only thing I could think of was, does Harry still have the moniker Prince in front of his name? I'm not really sure, because I think he's referred to as the Duke of Sussex. Do they take that away also? I know they want to, because they they big mad that he's telling all his truth. But you know what? I admire him for it. And I haven't seen the interview yet. Um, it's on Apple+. Plus, and I think we might have to do the free trial in order to watch it. But the thing that I like about it is that he's an example of coming from a background, a culture where speaking about your mental well-being is not encouraged. And from the segments of the conversation, he had a really great brief interview with Robin Roberts on Good Morning America. You guys can look up. Um, where he openly talked about that. And just imagine like losing a loved one in public like he did with his mother when he was only 12 and then not being able to grieve properly to get the support you need to just kind of work it out yourself. And as someone who, without going into a lot of detail, understanding how experiencing trauma early in life can really color your perception of yourself and others. The fact that at this stage in Harry's life that he figured out that he needs to value taking care of himself for Megan, self-esteem for their kids. You know, there are a lot of people I've read in England who world aides are like, take away their titles because he dared tell the truth. But you know what? It's his story to tell. And if it helps other people in the process, then, you know, all the better for it. So I hope they don't take away his title. But, you know, we got Harry and Meghan, so we could just give him another title. You know, what would be a title we've given him the hood from the south side of Chicago? Like the Grand Poobah of Is there a lady form of Grand Poopa, by the way? I've always wondered that in, like, the Flintstones. Like, what would be... Is it Poopa Bess? Poobess. Poobess. No. That sounds that really sound, bad. Yeah, that does sound <laughs> kind of janky. I don't know. Like, I know there's a lioness or a tigress. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. There's always... There's, a like, a Harold's Chicken and Waffles I'm like, or a Harold's Chicken. I'm like, can we just... I don't know what we call Harry. We would just call him, like, you know, Big Red. He probably already has a nickname, you know. Call him that dude. <laughs> you gotta but, give him something. But, look, he can't be that dude. That's you. That's true. 
I'm, but I'm willing to see, I'm willing to you know give that up for Harry. Serve that dude. Want. But you know he wait, wait, I wait, have wait. conditions. In honor of Stevie Wonder, Sir Duke. Sir Duke, okay. Instead of just Duke, he's Sir Duke. So Sir Duke. Yes. Um, <laughs> what I am proposing, if I am giving away that dude, or you know, if you want to take on Sir Duke, come sit down with me and Stevie Wonder. Let's have some fish and chips, and I don't know some wings. I'm I'm willing to propose that. Like, you know, let's come have a sit down. Let's see how, you know, wait, how wait, much wait. flavor you really have. Would we take him to Magic City with the wings? Are you letting me go to Magic City with Harry and Stevie Wonder? Let me think about that. <laughs> Put it out there. <laughs> you know, I ordered it so you could just have it delivered. <laughs> But the whole deal is like I would like to sit down with these gentlemen and let's you know let's let's have a you know a scrum a chit chat. Let's see how much you know Harry has to say. <laughs> so, Sir Duke, if you're listening, drop us a line at thegourmetcooper@gmail.com if you're interested. Um, we may have to negotiate the Magic City, but I can say that Harold's Chicken in the South Side of Chicago. Top notch, you enjoy it. True. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with three stories um, that covers the intersection of food and pop culture. And you're listening to the Gourmet Goober podcast. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Carrie. And I'm Emily. And we're the hosts of A Dark Cup of History a spin-off series to our regular podcast, A Nice Cup of History, where we dive headfirst into the weird and paranormal aspects of the world we all live in. If you want to know your woman in red from your woman in white, or precautions to take against demonic dolls, and just where to go to find Batshuck on a moonlit night, why not give us a listen? Together we talk about the dark, creepy, and downright terrifying parts of our history and folklore, as well as what you should do if you ever encounter any of them. Interested? Come and find us in Buzzsprout, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you'll get your podcasts. So turn on the lights, grab a blanket and some rock salt, and, and let's, let's get, get dark. dark. Hey everyone, this is JJ Outlaw. And T. Outlaw. And we are back with the second segment of the Gourmet Goober podcast. Um, that we affectionately call What's Eating Us. That's when we focus on three stories that covers the intersection of food and pop culture. Sometimes they'll make you laugh, sometimes they'll make you think, but all of them would fit in that divide. <laughs> Does our executive producer, Doggy Producer, have something to say? Apparently he has an opinion. I don't know what that opinion is. But Are we not giving you enough pepperoni? Are you trying to renegotiate your salary now? I think he is. Okay. <laughs> grumble, grumble. Maybe he didn't approve. Look, we gave you approval of the stories, okay? <laughs> Maybe you just didn't like his treats. Okay, we're going to take a quick second just to double check and make sure he's cool. We'll be right back. Okay, guys, so 
it's probably only a matter of seconds on the podcast, but it actually took us about five minutes to get him calmed down. I guess there was someone outside, but he really took issue with their premise. He was like, I wasn't feeling it. <laughs> I don't like you. That's the talk. weird thing about having bullies. They are just like crazy, like protective of like the oddest stuff. Like normally if someone comes and delivers a package, they're just like, okay, there's someone outside. I get it. But like the kid who mowed her lawn today, sweetest kid ever. He's like 14. And the dog is like, dude, you see that? She, he, he's talking to her. <laughs> Are you looking at that? You want me to come regularly? I'm like, Braxton, what are you going to do? You're going to lick him to death. He's seriously the friendliest dog in the world. You scare no one, Braxton. That's the funny part. He's like the little dog who thinks he's like all impressive. But then he's like a big doof. What did we say if like our previous dog, Bear Boo, was the doggy tongue hangs? I think our dog now is the the Gronkowski of dogs. I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> it's just a meatball. Gronk is, yeah, is many <laughs> things, but Gronk will, well, in the wrong place will mess you up. And so will Braxton to like a squeaky toy that has way too many fluffies. He'll no, do that too. <laughs> no, let's not overthink this. Yeah, <laughs> he is still a dog. Well, yes, of course he's still a dog, but what I'm trying to tell you is he has a scary bark, but I've not a met a person yet who's afraid of him. Yeah. But let it also be known that he is also a dog and a security dog, and we're not gonna tell the public <laughs> that he is not. Oh, for the sake of the public, yes, he is a big, mean, vicious security dog. He is the reason we have a beware of dog sign. Because he will get out. Our he two- will find you. Two cats whoop his ass on the regular. He has a certain set of skills. (laughs) So, let's go to the three story. Yes. Since we've taken this off track from the beginning of this segment. Which was not our fault. Which was not of our own doing. (laughs) But, uh, let me step off the, uh, the track for a hot minute and also say we like to give our, um... In memoriam this week to uh, comedian Paul Mooney. Oh my gosh, yes. I, I still can't believe he's gone. He is one of um, the late greats. He was peers with um, Richard Pryor. He was close with um, Dave Chappelle. If you go online right now, you can see the best of Paul Mooney on the Dave Chappelle show. There's so many epic skits and things that um, Paul Mooney had a hand in writing for for Richard Pryor. In fact, you know, the weird thing is, before he passed, I I watched one of them online. You can catch it. It's Richard Pryor once famously hosted Saturday Night Live. And there is a skit um, that is called a job interview. It's a job interview skit. And it's between him and he's being interviewed by Chevy Chase. Right. And it's a word comparison skit. And it starts off innocently enough. And then they go and uncomfortably, but 
hilariously into slurs and Richard Pryor's response to um, Chevy Chase seeing one particular slur. It's both uncomfortable, but still really hilarious. And Paul Mooney wrote that. And I read this great article about the behind the scenes of Richard Pryor really kind of changing the late night landscape forever with his appearance on the show and how Lauren Michaels, who is famously the showrunner and producer of Saturday Night Live, actually quit on the spot if he couldn't get Richard Pryor um, being approved by NBC to be the host of the show. Okay. Um, But Richard said he would not do it without Paul Mooney. And so think about at this day and time, when there's very few shows with Black writers at the forefront of any writing room, Richard Pryor brought his own writer into the skit comedy show that he hosted for the week. Correct. And it just shows you how much faith he had in Paul Mooney and his writing and his ability to make really edgy yet important comedy. And he's someone that I know that a lot of people may not be cued in on. It's one of those things that I became familiar with Paul Mooney um, through some of the late night tapes that we've talked about um, in previous shows. And it's just something that's just talked about with our elders, so to speak. Correct. Because he never really crossed over into mainstream. Never could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's one of those comedians that back in the day would seem too dangerous to put on camera. He was too dangerous to put on camera, <laughs> even when you put him on camera. Yes. But he was equally, he, he spoke the truth. I think that's one of the reasons why they thought him as being too dangerous. But nevertheless, he was brilliant when Richard Pryor did his short run on CBS, The Richard Pryor Show. Again, Paul Mooney was instrumental being on there. And then I've read stories like Marshall Warfield. She got her start actually through encouragement through Paul Mooney. Um, Paul Mooney. Um, Cheryl Underwood. Cheryl Underwood, exactly. So if you have an appreciation for comedy, not just Black comedy, but comedy, period, you owe it to yourself if you're not familiar with his incredible contributions to the craft, just to kind of catch up on some of the things he's done. But yeah, he was definitely he was a real one <laughs> so he'll definitely be best thank you he for thinking about that yeah so anyway on to the topics on to the topics so the first topic actually is something that if you live in the midwest you probably or not just the midwest because i think now 15 states will be affected by it um and that is the coming of what is known as the brood x cicadas so cicadas, if you know, those are those creatures, they're, they're insects that are in hibernation. There's multiple types. Most people are familiar with, I think there's one type that sleeps for 13 years before coming out of the ground and get their groove on mating and then they go back to what they're doing. This one actually is a particular brand, uh, brand? <laughs> breed brand. of cicadas that hibernate within 17 years and now we're expected to be totally inundated 
by some estimates I've seen that they've been expected for close to one mil one billion will be emerging throughout the United States. I believe it's like sixteen or seventeen states. I'm gonna say, Lord. yeah, and it's already happening. So back home from where I'm from in Indianapolis, um, they started coming out late last week and they're very loud. There's literally thousands of them. Um, and they will be everywhere trying to get their mate on. So obviously people, whenever this happens, are looking to figure out ways that they could coexist with this mating season, which normally happens for about four to six weeks, right? As far as we know. So, for several restaurants in the Washington, D.C. area, they decided to handle the ongoing onslaught of the brood X cicadas in a different way by making food out of them. Okay, we need to stop this now. <laughs> Let's stop this foolishness right now. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I mean, like, in the story... <laughs> like just either let them, you know, get their little, you know, freak on, and move on, go back to sleep, or fall off. Just I, I want nothing to do with the, you know, the food consumption of this. Now, okay, all right. We had talked off bike, and <laughs> maybe we could have this conversation now. First of all, it's not uncommon to eat insects. In fact, I've I've eaten crickets before, chocolate covered crickets. They're actually really good. Um, I've eaten all sorts of odd things. And to be fair, if you, you're a fan of barbecuing. I am. So odds are at one point an insect had landed and the food that you prepared outside, you probably ate it all the time and didn't know. No, I never intentionally went outside and said, yeah, I'm going to start like barbecuing crickets. (laughs) Or, you know, like, oh, look. There's some ants. Let's just go ahead and like, you know, fry them bad boys up. But they are also very common in different cultures as well, eating them as a source of protein. That's on them. So <laughs> clearly, Big Daddy's not down with that. I know that there's such a thing as a mistake that occurs, like, you know, in nature, you get too close to the, you know, to the grill. It's, you know, you just happen to, you know, as you said, fall asleep and, you know, a random fly hops in your throat. Well, there are many restaurants that take to differ this thought. Um, and so for the and most... And I'm not frequenting them. <laughs> most part, cooks are really excited. And they're taking it almost like an Iron Chef style book challenge. So Cicada has landed. One of the menus is a place in Lee, um, D.C. that's called Leesburg Restaurant, um, Cochina on the Market. And they have started scooping up cicadas and serving, quote-unquote, locally sourced cicada tacos. Now, Uh, this is actually not... This is something he's also cooked before. He was using grasshoppers for traditional Mexican tacos as well. So, you know, for many people, they like the idea of eating cicadas because, one, it's a high protein. It's a sustainable ingredient because usually... What happens with them is when they emerge off the ground, there's so many of them because they do that intentionally as a way to kind of help ensure their survival. Because, you know, animals right off the bat, like we know Braxton's probably going to have a field day whenever 
they come out where we live. They haven't yet, but we're expecting within the next week. Our dog is not bright. <laughs> okay, one minute. Yes, we did call him the Gronkowski of dogs, but he's not alone. And many people say that the cicadas actually taste like shrimp. So much so that they're advising people that if you have a shellfish allergy, to avoid turning the tree. And they say that the flavor profile of cicadas almost has an umami type style. And so this particular chef, his name is Tobias Padano. Right now, he and his team um, is from the restaurant. They're actually scavenging trees, bushes, outside of houses, looking for anything related to the cicada that they can actually use. And the way they cook it doesn't sound too scary. So they sauteed the bugs with onions, garlic, serrano chili, and lime, and then put them in a tortilla with green mole. And from the look on your face, you are not trying it at all. (laughs) Oh, you want me to speak on this. (laughs) I love how people are trying to make, like, you know, a habit out of a mistake. (laughs) So you're, you're equating this to the bug accidentally landing on your, your barbecue. Yes. Something Dude, happens. You probably you... sleep in a book. You probably eat in a book when you're sleeping. How many times have we eaten outside and there have been, you probably, like at a picnic we've had in the past, maybe an ant got into something. You, odds are you probably have consumed lots of bugs in your life. I'm sure, maybe, <laughs> possibly in life there are. Just make just a quick and short of this. Once again, mistakes. Things occur in nature where you consume things that you didn't exactly plan to like eat them, but you still are alive. That's good. But I didn't really plan for it to occur. I didn't plan for it to happen. It's a mistake. And the fact that people are making this a habit or you know, have a sport. I mean, yeah, I didn't wake up saying, Yeah, I wanted to eat shrimp, but eventually people ate shrimp. Well, I'm sure people did weren't planning on eating meat from the start, but <laughs> damn it, we were hungry. Right. There has had to be that one person who said, you know what? That shrimp looks pretty good. And considering that in some parts of the country, shrimp is known as mud bugs. Shrimp and other crustacean like crawfish are known as mud bugs. So they're not exactly too far off. In fact, a lot of people refer to cicada as land shrimp because the similarity is so close. Once again, trying to make a habit out of a mistake. <laughs> yeah, you can mistake yourself into things, but I won't like actively. If you go out and you're actively trying to scoop up little cicadas off the ground to make them into treats, I'm just going to have to call you out from the get-go. This, this just won't work. I'm sorry. I... If things occur naturally in nature and you just eat them, it, it happened. Yeah, you got lucky and maybe it tastes good, but I'm not actively going out looking for them. And as a matter of fact, just to make this simple and easy, remember how last year we were trying to avoid murder hornets or murder crickets or whatever the hell it was? It was murder hornets. You made up murder crickets. Okay, I made up murder crickets, but damn it, it sounded <laughs> funny. It did. So this year, now we got to avoid cicadas. Next year, what? We got like, I don't know. We got drunk bees or I don't know. <laughs> Are we going to have like, I don't know, 
fire ants that like you know have propellers on their backs that could kill us. I don't know. Every year we gotta avoid some kind of random ass like you know ant <laughs> or something. So why don't we just go ahead and leave them alone? Wait let them do their thing and move on. Next year it'll be like remember the Transformers thing at the Insecticot? Yeah. <laughs> Next year it'll be like robotic insects. <laughs> they will literally come out with Insecticons. <laughs> that will be the latest thing we have to avoid. <laughs> yeah, they'll be like, oh, this is what happened with COVID. <laughs> COVID was caused by X. I'm like, no, let's just leave it alone. Let's not bring you know, bring any more doldrum to our lives. We're already trying to get out of a pandemic. I don't need to add, you know, more craziness to this uh, already special life. Well, people, if you are looking to try them and oh, okay, would I try them in case you're wondering? I, okay, I have eaten really strange things before, and, and like crickets. I've eaten ants before. Frog legs? Actually, I refuse to eat frog legs, but there's a reason why. I why? told you. Do I have to really say it? It's kind of embarrassing. Consistency? Taste? No. Texture? No. They just don't smell good? You're forced to be the, okay. All right. You don't have to do anything you, you want. You know what? Do. You know what? Fine. Okay. Have you guys? Have you guys ever seen the Muppet movie? The Muppet movie is one of my favorite movies as a kid. If you've never seen it, first of all, get your life. Watch it. But part of the I the Muppet movie is Kermit's going to Hollywood, and he meets all these crazy characters around the way. And he runs into this dude who catches him singing the Rainbow Connection. And he wants him to be his spokesperson for his restaurant. And what does his restaurant serve? Frog legs. And I was a kid and I saw that. And I was horrified that someone would eat frog legs. Of course, my parents pointed out helpfully that I will eat the hell out of chicken legs. And big nothing of them. Yes. But chickens don't sing like Kermit. So I told them that I would never try a frog leg. And to this day, 40 years and counting, I have never touched a frog leg. I have tried. I've literally, I was in the store the other day, running an errand because I needed something for our printer. And I went into the supermarket part of the store and they actually had frog legs in the freezer. I thought about it for five seconds. I saw that scene where the robotic frog legs were outside this restaurant in horrifying Kermit, and I just couldn't do it. So no, I've never had frog legs. But I'm not ashamed to say I've eaten a lot of other stuff, like gator and all the other stuff. That said, there's if it was prepared where I didn't have to see the cicada, yeah, I would probably try it. But I'm also horrifyingly scared. When I was a child, cicadas used to terrify me. Okay. To the point where I ran into a tree running away from one. See, I wasn't going to bring that up. <laughs> I was going to leave that alone, but no, you brought that to the to the party. No, I saw one on the tree, and you know how they molt their shells? And they're so scary looking. And I screamed, and I ran from one, and I ran smack dab into another tree. So if I don't have to see said Kakeda be prepared like i probably wouldn't forage for them but it's probably the same way that even though i will willingly eat a lobster 
I don't think I would feel comfortable throwing it in the water. Okay. So as long as I don't have to see Sekakita, yeah, I would try it once it's done in the taco. I just don't want to go grab it. No. That's not any different than I will eat a lamb as long as I don't know its name. You could tell me his name. I'm still eating that bastard. <laughs> you think that until it actually happens to you. Hey, I told you about the Boudreaux story. That was horrifying. You did. But at the same time, I hey, I learned how on the farm how to, you know, how to snap the neck of a chicken. I still ate him. But okay, I will give you this. I will grant you this, like, you know, as you were as you were talking. Okay. I did have the concept and this kind of goes back to the, the way that the goober sometimes like has to work cuisine past me. Right. If you were and this is almost like how we have to feed Braxton. If you were to take some cicadas <laughs> and hide it in something. And hide it in something, wrap that bad boy in bacon, you know, <laughs> put it in with some peanut butter, but don't tell me what it is. Cook it up real good, fry it up, I don't know, slather it in, you know, something on top of it. Don't tell me what it is. And maybe I'll try it. And if I get down my throat and not choke, hey, I ate cicadas. There you go. But if I knowingly do it, y'all know. All bets are off. Story's over. Well, if you want to try them, according to the Indianapolis Star, there are recipes online that you can check out for recommendations on how to prepare them. They also say it's recommended to try to grab the cicada as soon as they emerge and before they molt and have that scary looking shell or harden or grow their wings. That's when they're easiest to snatch and the tastiest to eat. Oh, goody. And again... Please avoid them if you're allergic in any way to shrimp or shellfish. Okay. <laughs> so now that we've horrified you with that story, let's move into a totally different direction for our second story. And this is something that was brought to my attention by a friend online. And it's regarding the question of who actually has the ownership of the invention of Flaming Hot Cheetos. Flaming Hot Cheetos. So, first of all, if you're not familiar, and, okay, since we're being transparent, before this podcast, I confess, I have never eaten anything Flaming Hot. It's not that I don't like Flaming Hot stuff. Big Daddy knows I put sriracha on my sriracha. (laughs) I literally, in my hand, is I am holding a (laughs) bottle of Red Hot. Which is good for every, like, if you are in a house, that should be a good indicator as you go into anyone's house. If they do not have a bottle of Red Hot or Flaming Hot or hot sauce or sriracha, you need to check them. And that's not even the only hot sauce I, I have. So No, it is not. There's Tapatio around here somewhere. I think there's um, the Melinda's Extra Extra Hot somewhere. I'm a connoisseur of hot thing. That said, I don't know why I never tried it until today. I think part of it is I don't like Cheetos. Although I just recently discovered I do like the Cheetos puffs. So Jesus found that out literally an hour ago. Literally right before hitting that mic, I found that out. <laughs> Combining that with the flaming hot nachos. So yeah, pretty good. So it's obviously a very popular brand. You see it everywhere from videos to viral cooking segment. There's even a restaurant now that's offered by Applebee's. It's called Cosmic Wings. It's one of their virtual restaurants. And the only thing they serve up 
are wings that is either coated in flaming hot powder or Cheetos powder. Mm-mm. Yes. So, for the past decade, there's someone by the name of Richard Amont- Montanez who has been telling people that he, in fact, was the originator of the Flaming Hot Cheeto. He's the originator, the innovator. <laughs> so the story that he's been telling, and now is featured in a book that he wrote, also called Flaming Hot, it goes like this, that he was working as a janitor for Frito-Lay's Rancho Cucamonga plant when he had a dream about a chili-covered Cheeto, and he was so empowered and emboldened he actually called up the CEO of the company and pitched the idea. Yes. So for over a decade, he has been um, do speaking engagements. Like I said, he has um, a, a new book about his experiences out. He even just sold his life story of how he went from a maintenance man with Frito-Lay to an executive before he left in the marketing department. Um, There's a new movie about his life that actually was just sanctioned and casting underway. That's going to be directed by none other than Eva Longoria of Death for Housewives. So he's made a really lucrative second career out of telling and selling his story. And he's appeared at events at Target, Harvard, USC, and he makes anywhere between 10 to $50,000 for his appearance. So it sounds like an incredible rag to riches story in every way, shape, or form, right? Right. There's just one problem. Okay. According to the LA Times and for people who worked at Frito-Lay, he, in fact, did not invent Fabian Hot Cheetos. Uh-oh. So there was a recent interview that went out last week where basically they spoke with more than a dozen former Frito-Lay employees. Um, and according to them, none of our records show that Richard was involved in any capacity and the flaming hot test market Frito-Lay wrote in a statement to LA Times. <laughs> okay. They said, we've interviewed multiple personnel that was involved in the test market, and all of them indicated that he was not involved in any capacity. Now, this is where the story gets strange. Okay. They said, this doesn't mean that we don't celebrate Richard, they said. But the facts do not support the urban legend. So according to them, Flaming Hots was created by a team of hotshot snack food professionals in 1989 in the corporate offices of Fleet Lane's headquarters in Plano, Texas. Wait a minute. They have a team of, what was it? A team of what? According to the LA Times, they're called Hot Shot Snack Food Professionals. Hot Shot Snack Food <laughs> Professionals. Professionals. And they gave all the credit to someone by the name of Lynn Greenfield. And she came up with the Flaming Hot name and shepherded the line into existence. Wait, a minute, I gotta figure out how, I'm, like, do they still have the team and how can I get this job? <laughs> now, according to them, Montanez actually did um, go from working as a plant worker to a director of marketing. He also pitched new product initiatives, which also changed the path of his career. But he's been taking credit for the Flaming Hot Cheetos seriously since the, the late 2000s. So is he like, I don't know, is he also the mascot too? 
Here's the thing. So if you knew that someone's taking credit for it and they didn't stop it, like he's been, he's getting paid on this. The claim got viral. He's got a movie about his life. Mm-hmm. So if this is truly something that he had no hand in, why talk about it now? That's a good this, question. Yeah. I really want to know why I'm not so. I'm like, <laughs> if you ain't the man, who the man? Why are we writing? Why are we dealing with you? Now, according to Frito-Lay, it was Greenfield who contacted Frito-Lay in 2018 after seeing that Martinez was taking credit for the Flaming Hot Cheetos, and that is what triggered a company investigation. The process unearthed calling his account into question, and they actually said, hey, you know, the work he did was really great. He did a lot of great outreach for our Hispanic market, but, you know, none of this money and credit should go to him. Now, they heard about this issue, the people were making this biopic. Okay. They heard about it as early as 2019, but they're still going ahead with the movie. Because, in their mind, even if you take out the Flaming Hot Cheeto story, the fact that he went from basically a janitor to a highly paid director at this location is a pretty awesome story. And so they feel that they have the feel-good elements, you know, that they need for this. So they're going to move ahead. Here's what I think. Okay, first of all, the idea that this is so contested is wild to me. And I encourage you guys, if you haven't read the story in the LA Times, to please read it. It's like a roller coaster ride of them coming up with it. There's several people, and one person said that he came up with the idea. It was a salesperson. Remember, he was um, on the south side of Chicago. Okay. And he was just, at one point, he was like, I was really angry that we were losing out on the <laughs> hot stuff, and I was fighting that to try to get the hot stuff in the market. Like, really, I can't imagine doing that. But it's a crazy story. But here's the thing. I think they were cool with him telling the story because it made them look good in the press. Okay, I'll give it. Until he sold the rights to his biopic. Ah. I think once that got involved and Hollywood got involved, they're like, wait, 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 wait. It's like, hold up. We let you tell this story as long as you can. But now we want some of that cheddar. That's really what's going on. Okay. I'll give you that. Because why else would you let someone openly tell that story for over a decade? Seriously, he he's like the CEO of Target actually wrote the forward of his book. Not that hard to do. <laughs> so why would they just speak up now? Money. I don't know. I I I mean, I, I find the whole thing kind of amusing, but at the same time, like kind of sketchy. But eventually, I mean, I, I guess ideas can develop. You know, you're looking for the origin, but it's kind of like you don't know what the origin is because everybody's kind of claiming it. Like, okay, who really came up with the concept of a flaming hot, but b putting them on Cheetos or some other brand? And let's say, okay, let's move forward. Now we're gonna write a book about it or now we're going to make a movie about it. Now I'm like, see, we need little Richard to come in and give his opinion. <laughs> God rest his soul now. But still, it's like somebody had to come up with it. It has to be an origin. As a matter of fact, I'm of the impression that 
Who was the one that came that had the idea for the Nike swoosh? Oh my gosh, that is the craziest story. It was it was this um graphic designing student. Yes. And she got paid like nothing for it. Like seriously, years and years ago when I was in grad school. It's it's not uncommon to tell the story of the Nike swoosh. And so what happened was Phil, I forget his last name. Phil Knight. Phil Knight, when he wanted to come up with a symbol to represent his new brand of Nike, he went to different places. The person who came up with it was like a graphic design student who was a friend of his. And she just came up with that simple idea. I think he paid her something ridiculous. Like, seriously, it was under $50. Okay. And then he, she happily signed the right away from that. Meanwhile, years later, that shit earns like billions of dollars a year. And I'll never forget that because they told that story like the first day in class in my graphic design class. Mm-hmm. And literally what came out of that was always own your shit. <laughs> yes. Don't sign your way to rights to anything. So years later when I had my own interns and they worked with me for like graphic design projects, I'm like, I'm giving you permission to put this in your portfolio, what you do here. Why? And I would tell that story. And their eyes were like, really? They paid, got paid under $50? Now, let me also say, decades later, like when they made like a shitload of money off the Nike swoosh, then he decided to come back. And I think he gave her some stock and some other stuff. But it's nowhere near the fact that she could have been a billionaire many times over <laughs> had she not worked out a better deal for herself. But that's what I used to tell my interns. I'm like, look, if you come away with nothing else from this position, know that you need to ask upfront who you come away with. Because there's a lot of companies that all of the creative work you do, once you step away, that's ours. You have no right to put it in your portfolio. You have no right to put it in your things. That's ours. And there are several companies in the begin with that I very foolishly in the beginning was just so happy to be put on a project. I didn't think to speak to ownership. And I guess that's part of the reason why his story spoke to me. Okay. Because do I believe that maybe he took the credit for everything? There's some really damning evidence that the LA Times produced that said that he, in fact, maybe wasn't involved at the time he was involved. That said, we all know how difficult it is to move up in a company, go from a position where you're basically a maintenance person up to being like this highly paid executive. So something must have happened. They didn't just come there one day and go, hey, you know, we like the way that you sweep that. Would you <laughs> like this office for it? No, it no. doesn't work that way, True. particularly if you're a person of color. So did he contribute some valuable things to get himself worked up? Of course. Plus, there's the issue of, for many of us, and I think this goes back to what we spoke in the other segment, about speaking up and ownership and taking the rights and really not letting someone take your shine away, for lack of a better word. Because at one point, the story says that the new employee who is literally, I mean, I, I've worked for large corporations, like really big corporations before making the switch to nonprofits. 
And I can tell you the way that big corporations work. In this story, she talks about how this huge ass project was given to a new and freshly minted employee who just joined the company. That is not the way it usually works. Okay. So the fact that it fell all to this one woman who was just out of the MBA program to shepherd and fill and create this entire project on her little lonesome. I don't believe that. I don't believe that that's the way it happened either. And he actually put out something that really resonated with me as well. There's a video that he recently put out where he was defending himself against the charges in the New York times. And this video basically says that he was really upset about how he was treating the company and he was encouraging young people to take ownership of your story or someone else will. And again, speaking on how many times we're often encouraged to not speak up for something that you own and something that you've had a hand in creating We've all had people, we've all had experiences to where someone has taken ownership of yourself. Yes. And his story is inspirational, even if you take out the story of the Flaming Hot Cheetos. He comes from a Mexican-American family. His father dropped out of school in the second grade. He himself dropped out of school after he claims um, in the ninth grade. He got a job at Frito-Lay and he was working as a janitor, but he was then promoted to a machinist operator. And then he helped help to spearhead a program to reduce waste along the assembly line. Good for him. He's the George Lopez of the group. So he did move up in the company quite a bit. And the idea of just going through his background to where he is today it's amazing because, again, he speaks to the story that often isn't told with many communities of color that sometimes is left out. Okay. And the idea of speaking up for something that you created, because in his mind, he's like, I was just being humble. And then I was seeing all of these people taking credit for something that I know I talked to them about. And it's not uncommon. I mean... I don't know about you, again, going back to me loving sriracha on my sriracha. Growing up in Booty. Sriracha. On my sriracha. On your sriracha, okay. <laughs> growing up and putting hot sauce on Doritos everything. and everything and cheesy stuff. That idea is not new. And just taking that and just saying, hey, maybe we should put together a chip. Anybody could have come up with that. And so the idea that he was willing to speak up, I mean, what's to say he didn't give him the CEO the idea. Mm. And then the CEO years later is like, you know, I have an idea. Like, no, <laughs> and though he never heard it from Richard at all. No. Like, I, this just came to me in the dream. So both could be true. And 
even it's important to also say that even with this controversy, um, they are moving ahead with producing this movie along with Fox Searchlight Pictures. So the movie is going to be produced. In fact, they just recently cast the actors to play um, the lead character and his wife, and they're going to start producing it this summer in New Mexico. Is the wife being played by Scarlett Johansson? <laughs> no, it is not. You know she's in every other movie this summer, right? <laughs> yes, she is. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's she's going to be too busy with Black Widow. But sure. Okay, Longoria said told. Oh wait a minute! Is Eva Longoria going to be playing the wife? No, Eva Longoria is going to be behind the camera. She's going to be directing. She can do both. And she wanted to make sure she did a good job in telling his story authentically. Okay. So I guess the question now is, what's the story that's going to be told? The story that she's going to be telling. <laughs> that's the way she sees it. I just want to see Eva Longoria, like you know, on camera. So do you think they both could be right? I very much think so. If there, even if you weren't the one who had the original idea, claim it. <laughs> Just stand there, put the, like show up with the flag, and say, "Listen, I came up with this idea." Like Little Richard, this idea. If no one else can, has all the receipts, wait, wait, wait. So what you're really saying is, after years of watching certain cultures Columbus us, yes, we're going to Columbus them. Yes, if you can't find <laughs> yes, a definitive <laughs> explanation, reverse Columbusy, <laughs> just take it back. Say, listen, I don't know who said what, but guess what? I came up. I'm the originator. I'm the architect. I'm the one. It was me. You know who won the award? Me. Thank you. You know, in light of what happened to movie, give me my Oscar right now. Boom. You know, in light of what happened to that guy who got fired from CNN for just being a bigot, but also implying that there was nothing in America before the pilgrims showed up, which I'm sorry, I've always, I know I'm going to piss some listeners off, but dude, how do you just, it, the whole idea of Columbusing is enraging to me because that's like showing up to your house and just putting my flag on this house, right? There's people in there. There's people who live there. And I'm like, nah, I claim this house for me. Yeah. No one lived there. This house built itself. <laughs> and now I, JJ Outlaw, have come to claim it. Yeah. My <laughs> house. Thank you. I have a flag right on the front. But we live here. No, nah, no. Nah. You, you didn't exist before me, so you got to go. Yes. You're not important. You have to go. <laughs> you come in, like, they come in and they claim a, an entire, like, you know, section of land. A park with somebody else's name on it. You just literally just like take a you know a magic marker, just, like, just scratch over the name. It's just for George Mitchell's on it. My my name right here. This is T Outlaw Spot. You know what? T Outlaw Park. Damn it! I'm not exactly it. mad at your theory now. <laughs> I kind of love it. Okay, so. I encourage you guys to read the story. It's a crazy read. Um, make your own decision. And if you're interested, his new book called Flaming Hot will be coming out in June. So you can read his memoir as well. So the last story that we're covering. That could be covered by Ava Longoria. <laughs> is more or less a warning. Okay. One that has been given to you many, many times. 
2017, and it's a warning from the CDC. Those of you out there who love your chickens. You love your chickens. And by chickens, I mean your backyard chickens, you know. Maybe you're like Harry and Megan and have your own like chicken coop. We're asked, they're begging you, they're pleading you. You can love your chicken, but just don't love your chicken, if you know what I mean. Stop showing your affection. Stop snuggling and kissing your chick backyard chickens. Because by doing this, you are spreading salmonella germs to your mouth and making yourself sick. I'm always amused that we have to have this explanation. Not only that we have to have this explanation, but they've done it multiple times now. This is not the first warning. In fact, I think this was in a pre... We've been podcasting. We're going on... This is our third year. I honestly think in our first year of doing the podcast, we've done something on the story. Really? Yes. Okay. So is that an issue? According to the CDC... Backyard outbreaks of salmonella poultry was investigated in all 50 states, and it resulted in 1,722 documented illnesses, 33 hospitalizations, and one death. And that's in just one year alone. It is the highest number of illnesses ever reported to backyard flocks. Why? Well, apparently there are some people out there who think that their yard birds are just so adorable that they just have to give them a snuggle or a kissy face. And I'm just like, look, I love me a good, I love me some chicken. Well, okay. The finished so you and chicken. Popeyes. Yes. And okay. KFC. Yes. And Boston Market. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and we're on to you, Boston Market. We know that that Rootsis rebrand is really you. Okay, you're not fooling anyone renaming it. It's still your blade ass chicken. Okay. Anyway, there goes that Boston Market Market uh, sponsorship. Yes, it's we're not going to get that. Okay. So anyway, I don't. Okay, I don't really get the whole idea of snuggling and cuddling a chicken because as one who lived on a farm for a semester going through grad school and finishing my internship, I can tell you chickens are not cuddly. No, no, they're not. They're, they're not the snuggling kind, okay? I would not invite a chicken to our nightly snuggle party that I have with the dog watching the news where I jump on the couch and he jumps on next to me and we do our cuddling thing. The chicken wouldn't have nothing to do with that. And you know why? Because my dog does not give me salmonella when I give him the snuggles. That you know. We're going to move on from that. Okay. <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make is, it is insane that they have to keep saying this. Especially in the middle of a pandemic. Because, you know, it's not like the CDC is not occupied with other things that can kill you. Right. <clears throat> so they're just really asking you to kind of let them do their chicken thing. Don't kiss or snuggle back your poultry. <coughs> oh, goodness. Don't Bless even you. eat or drink around them. I guess my thing is, okay, I know that, you know, there are people who have farms. There are people who have coops. And all we ask is that you just, you treat them as they are. They're just yard birds. 
if you want to watch them from afar, if you want to harvest eggs, if you want to treat them as such, like as barnyard animals, I understand that. I just don't get the concept of I want to I want to love them, I want to hug them, I want to cuddle them. As a person who has once again had to end the life of a chicken for uh food. I, 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 I'm sorry. All I see, like when I see a chicken, all I see is a three piece. I'm sorry, or a whole fryer. <laughs> um, but I, I, I just don't have that kind of relationship with yard bird. But I, I mean, I understand you want to be closer. It's just like looking at cows and pigs. But salmonella. I mean, I guess glove up. You know, give your glove love. You know, <laughs> stay. <laughs> Be careful when you're dealing with the chicken. The chicken is just—it's a—it's an—it's an outside bird. I don't—I I don't get it, but okay. Look, just stop macking on your chicken, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're doing. This is a public service announcement from the goop to you. Yeah, just sometimes you just—you just—you just can't give a cluck. <laughs> <laughs> I made that up all by myself. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to take a break, <laughs> mainly because I have the giggles now, and I know I won't be able to stop. So we come back, we will finish the show like we normally do, with the best thing we eat this week. Okay, come on, dog producer, <laughs> save me. <laughs> You're listening to the Gourmet Cooper Podcast, we will be right back. This episode of the Gourmet Cooper Podcast is brought to you by Bruch. Bruch is an electric toothbrush that will change the way you think about brushing your teeth. With powerful sonic technology and an ultra-gentle bristles, the Bruch redefines what it means to have super clean teeth. You know, it's like, it's kind of like that feeling you get when you just leave the dentist. You know, that fresh, whole mouth clean. And you get to do that every single day. And that's why the Gourmet Goober Podcast is partnering with Bruch so that our listeners get 15% off their total purchase with the code POD15. Just follow the link in the show notes and enter the code POD15 to get your exclusive discount and upgrade your oral care. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. This is JJ Outlaw. Anti Outlaw. And we are back with the last section of today's show where we share the best thing we ate this week. Um, as a reminder, we want to hear what you think is the best thing you ate this week. So if there's a restaurant, a recipe you're really passionate about, something that you think that's just really important for our listeners to know about, drop us a line at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. And we may read your letter on the show. Um, let's all work together and highlight these restaurants, especially as you know people are getting vaccinated and restaurants are open again. We want to make sure that we save this industry. And the best way to do it is to share some of the good growth that you get at the restaurants that you love. So this week, <laughs> Big Daddy, I'm going to let you go. What is the best thing you had since... The last podcast. 
Not that I don't know the answer, which is why I'm laughing. Yes. So early in the program, we had a conversation about uh, my week, which was highlighted by a, my anniversary gift from the Gourmet Goober, which included wings from a certain club. Yes. So here's the thing. In a previous episode, like about a year ago, almost a year ago, we had a set of wings, chicken wings, as as you will, from a place called Magic City, from the Magic City Kitchen. (laughs) And Magic City is? It's a gentleman's club in Atlanta, Georgia. (laughs) Exactly. Atlanta, Georgia. What can we do for you? It is a very famous strip club. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, gentleman's club. It's a gentleman's club. What's it called? <laughs> it, it was a scripper, a scripper house. <laughs> exactly. So, how do we come by this? Here's the quick recap of the story via our man, Lou Williams. Yes. Okay. So, uh, give or take a little, little bit under a year ago, um, the NBA went into... Well, they had to shut down because of the pandemic. They had to do a close. Uh, sorry, they had to delay their season. So, as when the season kind of resumed, they went into an, a bubble, and basically, which was they stuffed all their players into uh, the Walt Disney World uh, Resort in Florida, near Orlando, and they say, "Okay, everybody, okay, nobody." can leave this area. We literally are going to play the resumption of the season and then the postseason in one location. You know, multiple, you know, games, but we're all going to do this in one place. Exactly. Nobody can. What's that? I was saying exactly. In fact, they didn't allow family to come in. No. They basically slept, lived, ate, eat, practice in one space. They had this technology that basically no one got in or out unless they got tested and they got tested every day yeah. to make sure that they weren't passing the Rona to each other. Correct. And so like to speed this up, one of the things they also couldn't do was a leave the place, but also they had to have their, um, they could, they couldn't only eat, you know, basically what was brought in for them. They couldn't like, you know, you know, have delivery people like, you know, at first bring in like, you know, food to them or, you know, have your DoorDash hook up, you know, on the front. But what started to happen was, well, there were a couple of players that kind of defected, kind of like uh, they took a little break. Let's just say one of those players was a basketball player. And at this point, this was an L.A. Clipper guard, uh, their famous sixth man. Uh, named Lou Williams. Lou uh, took a little break. He said he had some things he had to take care of. So on one weekend, he uh, he stepped out for a little bit. And uh, when they found him, he said, well, I had to go to Atlanta. Where'd you go in Atlanta? <laughs> I went to a club. You went to a club, what, to dance, hang out, whatever? Like, I might have yeah. done a little dancing. <laughs> Magic City. Isn't that a stripper club? Yeah. <laughs> You went to a strip club. You broke you broke quarantine. In the middle of a pandemic. In the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> as part of the NBA bubble, risking your NBA salary. And your life. And your life. 
Okay. Why? Um, I went there for the wings. <laughs> you went there for wings. wings. Yeah. Okay, so what they were damn good wings. Okay. So as far he was still able to resume, you know, he, he had to spend a couple of weeks in quarantine. In quarantine, could not play basketball with his team. But yeah, somehow he was able to come back, but uh so the Clippers went through, you know, the rest of their bubble. Um, didn't win the championship or anything, but anyway. When the media found out about it, they dragged him. Exactly. And who do you remember who came up with the idea of lemon pepper Lou? Was it ESPN or was it Charles Barkley, the team at Inside the NBA? I think yeah, they kind of referenced <laughs> it, but I'm not. It, somehow that became a, a thing for Lou to uh, run with. Even with Stephen A. Smith, someone in the media decided to drag Lou because literally, think about it. You're a multi-million dollar athlete. All the sports is shut down, right? Mm-hmm. So the NBA came up with this ingenious way. Look, we can pay out your salaries. We can honor your contract. We can finish the season and give everyone what they want. Your ass needs to stay in this place, though. You cannot leave for whatever reason. Lou comes up with this family emergency. And then on the way back, instead of just going back, nah, he goes to strip. He risked the Rona. He risked the contract. If he got sick, and think about it, and brought that in to like the bubble, all these people like yep. holding up together, he could have gotten all of his teammates sick. He could have gotten all the NBA sick. Dude, what was worth risking all of that for? The wings. <laughs> and so someone was like, dude, really? And then he became known as Lemon Pepper Lou. That's right. But Lou, Lou, I have to say, let me just give it up to Lou. Lou leaned into that. He doubled down. <laughs> and we talked about it on the show, how not only the absurdity of Lou risking it all and the Rona for some wings, but he actually went the extra mile. And didn't he, like, trademark Lemon Pepper Lou? Yes. <laughs> Now we can make money off of it. So then all the interest became like, okay, Magic City, what the hell? This guy is literally risking the lifeline of all these players in the NBA for your wings. Well, come to find out. Well, not only do you trademark it, but he leaned into it in the Magic City, basically put their name on their wings, and they called them Lou Will. The Lou Will Lemon, lemon pepper. pepper. That's right. <laughs> so we have told the story, and it's become a source of much amusement here at the Casa de Goober. Mm-hmm. So going back to the story earlier, when the when um your original anniversary gift of the watch fell through, right? Correct. I was like, dude, I need to come up with something for his anniversary present. And then here comes Gold Belly. <laughs> Gold Belly leaned in themselves. Gold Belly sending me yet another enticing email of, you know, you want this babka, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot about the babka. Babka is very good. Yes, you know, you want this chocolate babka, right? You can't go to New York, girl. You're not leaving Chicago, man. Order the babka. 
use this discount that you can't use it on the babka. <laughs> so I was like, hmm, I'm on Gold Belly. And lo and behold, Magic City delivers from Gold Belly. That's right. <laughs> so you two, apparently, since they opened in 1985, along with, well, what you find in Magic City, lots of booties. <laughs> they are known for their wings. And apparently, GQ actually at one point named them not only America's most important club, but they held their wings as being one of the best reasons to go. Damn right. So if you go to Gold Belly right now, you can actually get a list of all their wing flavors, ranging from lemon pepper wet, which is fabulous, um, through their Justice Magic, which is their regular wing sauce. So I thought, what the hell? Either Big Daddy will either be amused or he would kind of question our life choices and his wife choices and a wife. And I ordered, they have a set of 50 lemon pepper wings that you can get. So it's choose your own 50. You get 25 of each. So I got 25 of the lemon pepper. And then I also got 25 of the Lou Will lemon pepper. And in case you're wondering, there is a difference. So the lemon pepper is just standard lemon pepper seasoning. Which I also have to say it's kind of unique because they add just a hint of celery salt to it. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But the Lou Williams version, which is the best thing we ate this week. And I say we because we're in agreement this week. Damn skippy. <laughs> the notorious Lou Williams are wings that are tossed in a kind of honey barbecue sauce. And then you sprinkle, they even give you extra lemon pepper seasoning. So the lemon supper seasoning is sprinkled on top. Now, you would not think that a honey barbecue and lemon pepper would go together. You would think that that would be kind of like fighting each other. Yeah, they would cancel each other out or overkill. No. These wings were next level freaking good. (laughs) They were. I was actually pleasantly surprised, especially since they were shipped semi-frozen. Yeah, they were supposed to be frozen, but by the time they got to us, they were fully thawed. So I'm like, oh, I guess we're having them tonight then. Yeah. (laughs) Surprise. And for two straight days, we dined. (laughs) Two straight days, we dined on, I have to say, some of the best wings I have ever had, ever. Oh, my gosh. In terms of, like, well, in terms of barbecue wings, best I've ever had. In terms of lemon pepper, I mean, I have had a lot of different you know, wings, as you would say, like your typical uh, chicken wings um, that were fried from a place. And I've had a lot of, you know, different selections. I'm willing to say, like, especially ones in all barbecue, probably the best I've had in a long, long time. And I think, like, as the Gooper was explaining, like, with the mix of lemon pepper and the honey barbecue, they had just the right, the right amount of note, you know, each. They didn't, like, you know, overpower. Right. It wasn't senses. too sweet. It yeah. wasn't too salty, which is amazing because a lot of lemon pepper seasoning out there is, like, heavily on the salt. And it Correct. wasn't that at all. In fact, it had kind of a, it wasn't like a regular salt, right? Like, 
we were sitting like eating lots and lots of wings. <laughs> we were talking like, what is that hint? That 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 flavor that it's like right there on the tip of your tongue and we couldn't identify? Yeah, it was like an extra ingredient we just weren't could not catch. And then finally it occurred to me, being in Chicagoland, mm-hmm. it was celery salt. It wasn't just regular salt. Right. And celery salt, if you've ever had a Chicago dog, it's kind of like the chef's kiss that sets off all the flavors together in a Chicago dog. It's kind of like that unexpected additive that you would never think to add to something that already has like mustard and a pickle and relish, <laughs> but it needs all of that to make it work. Right. And that's what it was like with the lemon pepper, um, the Lou Will lemon pepper wings. So incredibly good. And just as a side note, we have a little bit of that seasoning left. Really? Yes, it's in the kitchen. So I was kind of stingy with it because I wanted to eat some other stuff. <laughs> it was still that good. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> guess I'm going to be, well, okay, I guess it will be used for something else. <laughs> we will be having some more wings. We will be in the, in the kitchen experimenting. Yes. But if you have a chance, and I'm excited this week because the stuff we recommend, um, sometimes it's regional because enforcing with the pandemic, unlike before, we can't always just leave where we are. But this is a recommendation I'm really happy to make because, one, they are hella good. So if you like wings, I recommend trying these incredible wings. From um, You can get them on Gold Belly. But the other thing is the great thing about Gold Belly that I really love and I've really fallen in love with it and I've recommended to other people is, again, a lot of these restaurants um, from across the country, they have come up with some really unique eats that you can get delivered directly to your door. And so it doesn't matter where you are in the United States, you can actually try some of these wings. So um, you can go online. They have different amounts. The ones that we got was to choose your own 50 wing pack. It's $109 roughly in free shipping. However, if you're already a Gold Belly member, you know that there are some reward points that you earn every time that you order from Gold Belly. And like I said, Gold Belly knows that they got me. So I had some reward points to add. So I didn't pay that much. But still, it is worth it just to have like a once in a lifetime treat that it is really, really worth it. And I have to say, seeing the look on your face, plus the additive of, you know, Big Daddy was bragging like, yeah, my wife got me wings from a strip club. That's right. And one of his former co-workers responded back, hashtag goals. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad you like that. I do. <laughs> also, even though that's the best thing I had this week as well, and even now I'm kind of thinking of ways we can use some leftover lemon pepper sauce, I also want to give a shout out to Baskin Robbins. Baskin Robbins? Yes. So this weekend, I had an opportunity to try from Baskin-Robin a drink that is actually a very common drink um, in um, a Mexican community. So it's called, um, and I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, a mango nada. 
And so what a mango nata is, it's a frozen beverage that combines mango. Usually it has something called chamoy mixed in. And then in this case in Baskin Robbins, they also add Cajun um, seasoning to And if you've seen Cajun seasoning before, it usually comes like in a little bottle. Um, it's kind of like a seasoning that you can add to fruit. I usually add it to um, like when I make guacamole, it actually tastes really good on mangoes and things like that. It kind of adds like a savory, spicy, um, citrusy tinge to whatever you add it to, mm-hmm. um, flavor to it, rather. And I tried a mango natto this weekend, and it was heavenly. It was really, really good. Um, so it's a limited time um, drink that you can get. Apparently, it's one that they've been developing for a very long time. Um, you can get it at any regular Baskin-Robbins, or in my case, I got it at a Baskin-Robbins that um, is at a Duncan, you know, Baskin-Robbins Duncan combination. But if you wanted to try this drink, which is kind of a sweet and savory, it has a tart and kind of like a spicy note to it. So it really has all the hints of umami right there. It's mm-hmm. so good. But you better hurry because I guess they're only offering it towards the end of May. So you can kind of check it out um, at your local Baskin Robbins. My understanding is from talking to them is now nationwide. So although the wings are the best thing I eat this week, I have to say that's the best thing I had to drink this week. And it I was. do recommend it. Also make sure like, you know, when you go to Baskin Robbins and you ask for it, make sure they shake it well. Yes. <laughs> I do recommend that. <laughs> so, Big Daddy, um, where can people find you if they wanted to talk more about the lemon, the Lou Will lemon pepper wings? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can go to Magic City Kitchen. <laughs> you can talk to Lou Will, even though he, right now, weirdly enough, is playing for the Atlanta Hawks. So he can be closer to the wings he loves. That's right. So he can get that marketing down and visit Magic City, check on his product. Well, you can find me, Tiatla, at Tiatla on Twitter and on Instagram at Tiatla Josie Wells. You can always find me, JJ Outlaw, on Twitter as JJ Outlaw. You can also check me out on Instagram at Gourmet Goober. Again, please drop us a line at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. And we also have our Facebook page. You can go to thegourmetgoober.com or on Facebook, you can check it out at the Gourmet Goober blog because that's how we started out. So for Big Daddy and I, we want to thank you for hanging out with us once again while we talked about the funny, the absurd, and everything in between with food and pop culture. You've listened to the Gourmet Goober podcast, a production of Plum Good Media. And until next time, Happy eating. Happy eating.